Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to the Patrick Lally Show on another grand and glorious day in the best little city in America, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. We're going to spend a couple hours up till 5 o'clock engaging in some energetic and entertaining conversation in local, state, national news, and politics. Uh, let's just get thoughts out there. It's going to be a lot of politics. There's no way around that. It's a political time. It's a political day. And, you know, I like politics. So, hmm, welcome to the show. Uber producer Dan Peters is here. And uh, that's a good thing. He is dutifully watching the news uh, for updates on the uh, Rodney Burgett appeal to the Supreme Court. And uh, we'll be trying to keep you up to date on that. If anything comes across, we will relay it very quickly and efficiently. Because we know that uh, uh, Mr. Burgett, who is scheduled to die in South Dakota's uh, death chamber today for the murder of a guard at the penitentiary. And um, we uh, are, it, we just, I don't expect uh, that it's probably a long shot, right? I mean, this is a long shot Hail Mary pass to the Supreme Court. Um, the uh, state courts have decided this, these issues. And I think that there's been some, uh, most of the appeals have been exhausted. This is the, uh, open to all uh, death penalty inmates, I believe, as they approach their point of uh, execution. And uh, I think the only issues that are negotiable here are in terms of the sentencing and whether Mr. Burgett uh, was of uh, sufficient mental capacity to be able to make this decision. Uh, and if uh, the, his, his limited capacity, his, uh, his IQ essentially, is uh, should have been more of a mitigating factor in the sentencing. And I think there are a couple of factors in play that make this really interesting. Burgett had told the South Dakota Supreme Court to not factor in his intellectual capacity right. when they made their decision. But this lawyer out of Chicago that has mm -hmm. submitted the motion, I believe she has won a case previously that's... That Provided a stay of execution in a case such as this, mm -hmm. there's a it's a legitimate issue uh, because you know he says he doesn't want them to take it into consideration. But if you are of limited capacity, can you make the decision on whether you know? So it's a bit of a circular logic uh, question. But we are, I would say that it is taking a little bit longer than maybe we anticipated. Uh, but it's the U.S. Supreme Court, and uh, so somewhere there's a clerk, a uh, Supreme Court clerk going over the pertinent issues, and I imagine briefing uh, one or more Supreme Court justices. Isn't that the way that works? I believe the one that is looking at it is Justice Neil Gorsuch. There you go. Probably his first one. No, actually, your contemporary, Mr. Stu Whitney of the Argus Leader, has said that his first significant vote as a member of the court was to side with a conservative jurist to deny a stay of execution. So oh, there you so go. So he's... It wasn't his sole vote alone in that case, yes. but he is familiar with this matter. Interesting. So we will be watching that. Um, uh, in the meantime, thanks for spending some time with us on Information 1000 KSOO, streamed live on KSO.com or the KSO mobile app. And we are on Twitter as much as we can be today with everything that's going on at P. Lally Show. Uh, I had a great weekend, Dan. I don't know what you did, but uh, I got to spend Saturday morning uh, uh, watching uh, people run really long distances uh, and suffering. Yeah, I heard it was a 50K. 50K for JP. And, uh, so that's 31.8 whatever miles, right about 32. 
And yeah, so my job was to stand there and every, you know, 45 minutes or so say, hey, you need anything? No? Good. <laughs> Banana? Yep. No, thanks. No, thanks. Uh, no, no, she uh, they, uh, she wanted the mashed potatoes with the chicken broth on it, the veggie, some sort of broth, soup broth. That's what she ate. But yeah, good times down there at Newton Hill State Park uh, with uh, the ultra marathon crowd. And I, and I know uh, enough of those folks that I was uh, spending my time engaged in energetic and entertaining conversation. I got to walk the dog for people, you know, who brought their dogs and stuff. So I made myself useful. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. Oh, my gosh. Oh, oh my jeez. <laughs> I got to get quicker on that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh, my jeez. It was a beautiful day to watch people suffer. Uh, and so that was fun. Uh, uh, and then, you know, just, gosh, I, I, I love these, uh, October weekends when it's so beautiful out, even a little wind today, a little wind yesterday, it doesn't bother you because it's, it's beautiful out, you know, it's inspiring. So hopefully this next weekend will be nice too. Cause I'm going to be up in Madison for the Madtown cross cyclocross race after taking a weekend off. So, um, uh, uh the, the other thing that's going on politics, the last, uh, Debate in the gubernatorial contest was today. I got to listen to most of it. Uh, KSFY broadcast it. Um, it was down at your downtown Rotary. Uh, all the muckety mucks down there at the Rotary. All the big timers. And uh, and so they had uh, for you know. And I, I got to tell you, the both of them, Christy Noem, Billy Sutton, uh, much less uh, uh, vitriolic, maybe much more restrained in their, uh, shall we say, comparison rhetoric. Uh, and it was, you know, it was fine. It was informative. Jack Marsh was the moderator, my, one of my old bosses. Oh, yeah, Jack Marsh. Yeah. Very good. Jack does a nice job up there moderating. And uh, so it was a good debate, but I, I, it, I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what that means. I'm going to talk a little bit about that, I think, in the backside on the P&L. Um, because I've got... Uh, uh, the all the poll results of favorable, you know, all the factors that we were wondering about last week, I have them all now in front of me. So we have some data and we can see if there's any uh, uh, clear lines here that we can draw. There never is a c- completely clear line, you know, but we, we'll make some summations. How's that? And they could be right. They could be wrong. Hey. But that's what we do. I have been wrong before. It happens. So that was fun. I'm sure uh, you can go see that probably on KSFY's website, um, KSFY.com. They uh, they had live broadcast of it on the CW with uh, Big Brian Allen up there and uh, Colleen. Uh, uh, not Colleen. That's not her name. What's her Courtney name? Collins. Courtney Collins. Jeez. That's terrible of me. So That's they all were right. You you were almost right on the second I one. Was, I was struggling there, uh, and they you know they did full debate sort of uh, wrap up. So that was good, uh, and uh, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But we've got other guests today, as it turns out. Uh, congressional candidate uh, Dusty Johnson, Republican, trying to be uh, take that uh, one South Dakota's one seat in the U.S. House of Representatives. He'll be with us for the hour. Be the ball, Dusty. Be the ball. <laughs> Uh, and uh, we'll talk about uh, movie lines that reference his name and other pertinent topics. Uh, the Common Man is here for Weird Friends, and he's got some political thoughts as well and some other stuff. Maybe we'll talk to him about the World Series a little bit. Baseball's over. It's kind of depressing. You know what I mean? 
Well, when do pitchers and catchers report? Eh, Sometime in February. Yeah. I just like it. You know, I hate it when it's just a five-game series or a sweep. They were good games and all. but uh, And I'll have that P&L statement that I just talked about. We'll wrap up those poll results here in a minute. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Nineteen on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Certainly, we all want to be closer to free, and our friends the Bodines bring us into the PNL statement, in which we look at the news and uh, find things that are of interest to us and uh, pique our attention, et cetera, et cetera. And for the last several days, of course, uh, we've been talking about the governor's race and the house race and uh, the polling done by uh, the outlets of Akeloland News. Look at that. I even said it the right way. I'm so proud of myself. And uh, Argus Leader Media. Um, and, and I give them credit because they pay for the poll. It's, you know, it's their stuff, and they've got all their coverage up on their websites, and you can go see that. Um, and I have been saying, I've been commenting on this because, uh, it was surprising when the gubernatorial poll came out and said that, uh, Christy Nome and Billy Sutton were essentially tied. And then the house race where, uh, uh, Dusty Johnson has a 23 point lead on Tim Bjorkman. And so, you know, what can you glean from this? And I surmised at the time that because Christy Nome is much more attached to the president and his policies because of her position in Congress for, I believe, four terms, four terms, and uh, her, her support of, of, of much of the president's uh, uh, platform uh, and having him in for a fundraiser and all of these different things, that, that it, one of the key indicators here, one of the interesting things that, I, that was still out there for the poll was the president's approval ratings in the state of South Dakota. And so Ed, that, hadn't, that hadn't dropped by the time we got done, by the time we had our show on Friday, but it came out later that day, it came out later Friday. Uh, and I think it was actually in the, in the, in the, in the print edition, the dead paper edition as we dead tree edition. I'm sorry, as we call it, uh, uh, today, I think that was in the paper today. And what it says is that, uh, Donald Trump's favorable rating in South Dakota, 49%, unfavorable 37 Neutral, 14. Now, what's interesting about that, and I, I think that, that my theory is uh, in broad strokes correct here because, you know, every president's favorability ratings go down after they get elected, right? But uh, Donald Trump got 60% odd percent in South Dakota. He won South Dakota by a large margin. Uh, very popular, and we, we still consider him to be very popular in the state of South Dakota. And in fact, uh, among Republicans, he, he pretty much is. Uh, but 49 is below 50. It's never a number you want to see, whether it's on the national level or at the state level. And clearly, it, it, it suggests an erosion of the president's support in South Dakota. Uh, and I would, I would point out that this poll was done from the 18th to the 22nd, which was uh, before... Uh, uh, the recent uh, uh, conversations about uh, the the use of uh, the president's aggressive 
speech uh, and uh, characterization of his uh, political uh, opponents and what role that may or may not play in somebody uh, uh, sending pipe bombs to these people. Crude. They're not even really bombs. The suggestion of a pipe bomb. Um, And and then uh, even the worse uh, case over the weekend of of this mass shooting at a synagogue in around Pittsburgh. Um, and of course, that conversation has been very heated. Uh, and the degree to which that reflects on the president is it's it's probably not good. I haven't seen any figures in the last couple of days on his favorables, whether nationally they've gone up and down. But the fact is, is he's, he's, he's lost support in the state of South Dakota and that those policies then may be reflecting on, on Christy Nome. I will say that his favorables in South Dakota are higher than hers, according to the poll. 44% she got. His unfavorables, 37. Christy Nome's, 35. Neutral, 14. Christy Nome's, 21. So they're pretty close together uh, in this case. Um, and you'll remember Billy Sutton, high favorables, 50, 50% of the people who uh, uh, were polled said, yeah, I know I like Billy Sutton, even if they weren't going to vote for him, but 50% is high, higher than the president, higher than Christy Noem. His unfavorables, 24, lower than the president, lower than Christy Noem. His neutrals, 23, about the same as Christy Noem. Now, again, the issue here with the favorable unfavorable is that this poll was taken before the debates. It was taken before uh, a big push uh, of advertising that really uh, characterized uh, Mr. Sutton in in a fairly negative way. So in most cases, what negative advertising is trying to do or aggressive advertising is take down a candidate's favorables. And I wonder the degree to which today's debate was rather uh, tame by comparison, whether or not the Nome campaign has in fact seen an erosion in Mr. Sutton's favorables and unfavorables. That's a theory. That's a theory. But I think my theory is pretty good on on the uh, uh, the correlation correlation, not causation, between the president's standing and Christy Nome's standing. Now I'll note. Obviously, Dusty Johnson. What's interesting about Dusty Johnson is he has the same favorables, 44, roughly. His neutrals are higher. His unfavorable is very low. But he's up against a guy who's got 23% don't recognize and only a 28% favorable because they don't know who he is. The, and if you combine don't recognize and neutral together for Tim Bjorkman, you've got uh, 62%. of those polled say they either don't have an opinion of you or don't know who you are. So the fact that Dusty has a 23-point lead is not surprising and is not reflective, is not a a nick, a, 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 a negative against my theory. So I'm sticking with my theory that the president, particularly when it comes to agriculture, I think his dismissal of ag policy in many cases is causing Christy known problems. And her, her rather tepid uh, uh, response to those policies has not helped her. You need to be seen as the champion, regardless of party. You need to be seen as the champion of the citizens when you are going to be their congressional representative or their, even their governor. 
and the degree to which she has not been vociferous in the defense of those trade policies, of the old trade policies of NAFTA, of TPP, and of opening markets, uh, I think I think hurts her a little bit, and I think that's reflected in these in these numbers. Now, does that mean she's going to lose? Certainly not. Certainly not. Uh, a couple factors to remember that we always bring up: ninety-seven thousand. Uh, registration difference between Republicans and Democrats. And uh, and the Billy Sutton in the poll was getting very high numbers of independents, which was pulling his numbers up. Um, and it's quite possible that the barrage that he has taken over the last week and a half or so uh, would uh, sway some of those independent voters either away from him or over to Christy Noem. You know, because... You need enthusiasm for people to go vote. And independents are people who are not, don't feel necessarily beholden to vote for you one way or the other. So a lot going on in the last week of this campaign. We'll be watching the tone, tenor, and approach. And, of course, we've got Dusty Johnson on later in the show. But that is the bottom line on today's PL. You can agree or disagree with me, patrickakso.com. Get on our Twitters at P. Lally Show. Coming up after the news and weather, we're going to chat with the common man and weird friends and continue this high-level political discourse on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. pretend that I don't love you You could never pretend that I'm your man That's exactly the way that I want it It's exactly the way that I am And you call me in the morning with your troubles Taking it downtown every night I could never place the stars at night above Got my hands on the ground and you know I'm right You ain't so long 335 on the Patrick Lally Show Information 1000 KSOO And it's Monday and to uh, alleviate any sort of Monday problem that you have, we bring in the common man for weird friends, Mr. Common. How how are you hanging in there today, buddy? I'm you know for Monday. It's a glorious Monday. I'm, I'm you know when the music was playing there, mm-hmm. I was doing my best uh, soggy mountain boys uh, dance from Oh Brother We're Out There. <laughs> I was doing the knee bend and the elbows out. It's nice. I like that. I was getting it's my groove on. Yeah, it's a good image. Hey. uh... Uh, the World Series, you know, you know, we talk a lot about baseball, the Twins. We have, we don't need to talk about Rajo Bardelli, but uh, uh, <laughs> the, the the World Series is over, and I'm just kind of depressed. As well, you should be. I mean, you, normally I try to I try to buck you up, Patrick, but you know, when the World Series is over, I mean, it used to be early October. You yeah. say, oh well, you know, there's still, you know, we might have a little, you know, a little bit of fall left, but now it's like mm-hmm. November, fall is over done winter comes just there's nothing it's left just nothing <laughs> there's nothing outside that's going to happen that's going to be good no. for the next five months no and i hate world series that go like four or five games i want them i want every one of them to go seven i mean unfortunately that was one really really good red sox team yeah and that's you know when they, when they chewed through houston mm-hmm. in the american league championship series and houston is a great great team and they just dispatched them i went ooh, ooh, ooh. That, that was pretty incredible but of course i wanted to see history too patrick so mm-hmm. i you know wanted to watch that 18 inning monstrosity <laughs> yeah, that's right 
So, you know what happened on a weekend night? It wasn't a school night. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I stayed up and I stayed up until the 17th and a half inning. <laughs> Honest to God. I, I, wanted, I said, I want to see this. You know, I'm going to be able to tell this story someday. I stayed up and watched the whole darn game. Mm-hmm. So, after the Red Sox, I think they went one, two, three in the top of the 17th or top of the 18th. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, my God. I'm so tired. I can, you know, I get the toothpicks to keep my eyelids open. <laughs> I said, "No, I can't take it. I'm going to bed." So my my lovely wife wakes me up. I said, "Okay, who won?" She goes, "The Dodgers won." I said, "Really? Well, what happened?" Oh, guy let off the bottom of the 18th of the home. Run. <laughs> <laughs> just you know, that's just you want to just take your head into the wood chipper. Yeah, oh, I I said, well, was it like a 3-2 count? Oh, no, it was right away. He came out through the pitch, boom. <laughs> so you needed to make it about another minute and a half. Just about two minutes, <laughs> you know, one more, you know, beer commercial, and God, I could have seen it. <laughs> it's never the same in replay. No, you know, it's, 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 it's like my uncle, Uncle Gene, who was a sign guy. In, you know, he was a sign maker in Las Vegas, Nevada. Mm-hmm. And his friend came up to him in the 50s and said, Gene, we got this idea. Neon. Do you want in? <laughs> Uncle Gene said, no, too expensive. <laughs> Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's all you need to know about my family. I, <laughs> hey, uh, I was watching the game, too, although I fell asleep much earlier. I kept falling asleep and then waking up when something like big would happen mm-hmm. and then fall back asleep and then wake up, fall back asleep. And then, so when, the, when he hit that home run on the 18th, I woke up right away and, like, you know, saw him rounding the bases, but I missed the moment. So it's about the same thing. It's like, oh, can't. Why? 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 Yeah, it's it's it, it's sad, but you know, that's they're they're a very worthy team, and that's when you look at it from your from your Twins perspective. Yeah. The sad thing is, you look at it from the Twins perspective. The Dodgers took our best, you know, maybe our best or second best player, mm-hmm. and. He was a scrub for them. Yeah, that's right. He was coming off the bench. You're just like, well, God, geez, Brian, if you want to pick up all the balls from infield practice, that'd be great. <laughs> Chance uh, at a World Series ring. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Roberts. <laughs> God, sad. Roberts, Roberts just looked like, at times, uh, the, the manager of the Dodgers. He just was like, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, what do we do with these guys? They're killing us. Well, you know, I don't think it was something they're, they're pitching, but... The, the Red Sox just bring on one guy after another who throws 95 to 100 miles an hour all day long. It's like, well, um, hmm. Well, if we if we can just get into their bullpen, well, <laughs> they got 15 guys who throw 100 miles an hour in their bullpen. The Joe Kelly cat, man, he can huck it. Yeah, I'm like, what? What? what, what, did, what there's got to be something going on there. That guy weighs like 112 pounds. I know. <laughs> and he looks like he did my taxes last year, <laughs> and he throws the ball 100 miles an hour. That's tough. Now all we have is high school football. Well, well that's it, not true. Really, we have the NFL. Well, we got that. But you know, I was thinking about that watching the last weekend with the high school, the first round of the high school football playoffs. Mm-hmm. And you see, and you think, wow, does this really have to happen? Because <laughs> they, for like, to get the eight school, you know, eight seeds, mm-hmm. and for the big schools, that's everybody, mm-hmm. pretty much. It is everybody. Everybody but Douglas every year. Yeah, and so you get them in there, and it's. It's all the time, all the travel, all the, and there's one competitive game amongst all of them that I that I even saw. Mm-hmm. So just let you know what I know. It doesn't. It's not inclusive, but 
let's just skip the first round. <laughs> let's just say that only four teams make it to the playoffs. Yeah. Because I think you pretty much, nobody who's seed five through eight, no, they're not scared. And, they're, they're, and here's the other thing. Not only do you save time, travel, mm-hmm. money, mm-hmm. but you also save those kids. Yeah. And I'm not talking about the kids on the one through four teams. It's the kids in the five through eight teams who soldiered, mm-hmm. they played out the season, they, they finished what they began, and they, that's the toughest thing in the world. Two toughest things, being on a bad football team and being a bad wrestler. <laughs> I have been. I have there's, been, there's uh... nothing more embarrassing than having to go, you know, this guy is going to, I'm gonna, my goal is to not get pinned until the second round. <laughs> I, that's me. You know, Welcome to my wrestling career. Yeah, and that's a, that's a that's a noble thing. You went out there and, and a lot of life lessons. Yeah, I mean, you you stuck it out. Yeah, I did. And yet, those kids have to go in another playoff game. And if you're the seventh or eighth seed, you know, you're, especially if you're a Rapid City school or you, know, get you have to bus. travel four hours, get thumped again by a school you've already gotten thumped by earlier in the season, <laughs> and then back and get your butt years. back on the bus and go four hours home. Oh, not good. It's just, and if you're talking about safety, why would you want to put kids through an extra game, especially in high school? I know. The season's too long. Don't they play 10 games already? Something like that? I don't know. Whatever. Nine games? It's a lot. It's a lot of games. <laughs> well, it is. In, in, in the leather helmet days that I played in, you had to win your conference in order to get in. And I played Minnesota, but you know, only like eight teams out of mm-hmm. 50 in your division went back before when I just had like three divisions made it and so well, you know we've got to have we've got to have seven divisions and got to have all that and you know you got to have everybody have a chance and, and and you know again it's the four teams it's washington roosevelt o'gorman and brandon <laughs> all sioux falls sioux falls brandon sioux falls o'gorman sioux falls washington sioux falls roosevelt it's like being the weatherman in san diego yeah you know what? Tomorrow, 80 and sunny. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and, you know what? I'm going to make a prediction a month from now. 80 and sunny. <laughs> That's right. I can tell you it's going to be in the semifinals, 11 triple-A triple football playoffs in September 1st. Yeah, take that, Phil Shrek. <laughs> Phil's not on the show today, otherwise. Oh, I like, oh shoot. No. All right. Uh, can you hold on for a little bit? I want to talk, about, uh, I want to talk a little bit about politics with you, okay? Sure thing. Can you hold on. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three forty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and our common man liked uh, "Trampled by Turtles" so much in the first segment. I played it for the second. Oh, I just was getting my banjo solo ready to crank it going. Well, you can, yeah, you can catch "Trampled by Turtles" at the Pavilion on uh, January eighteenth or nineteenth. I can't remember. I already have my tickets. So, are they still uh, doing the body searches for corncob pipes? <laughs> Yes. Well, then I'm going to bring a corn cup by. <laughs> Got the joke in early. Um, hey, uh, uh, speaking of jokes, no, that's a bad segue. Uh, <laughs> have you been uh, Have you been paying attention to politics? I know well, you, you are a Renaissance man. Sports, literature, music, politics, uh, uh, you know, public affairs. Uh, you're that's it's all part of your repertoire. I try to pay attention. Yes, nice that's work. All, that's all I'll say. <laughs> And uh, your your impressions uh, thus far, uh, governor's race. How's that treating you? Well, you, you know, it's you know, you know, I've talked about it a, few, a couple different times, and you know, it, it's he just keeps 
coming on, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of interesting how he's 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 a, he's a first. They picked a really good candidate, you know, for the Democratic Party to get a good Billy strong Sutton, candidate like that. Not to say all the other people who have run in the past, but they wasn't that they weren't good candidates. They were, they were good candidates for South Dakota, and so this guy can win, and that's pretty simple. But you know, and I saw the poll numbers. I said, "Oh my God, I'm not so sure. I believe it's even." But because mm-hmm. you and I have discussed it, and said, oh, "Gosh, we got within 10." Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty clear he's kind of got to that goal. But uh, I'm not so sure that he, oh, I'd, I'd be so shocked if he did win. But stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. But now you see now that the, the, the final days are coming. The ads are more and more strident, and you know that maybe grasping a little bit as well. It's the one I saw recently where they had his his neighbors on there to, to say that he wasn't a real, yeah. you know, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't really conservative. Yeah, that was that was pretty. Uh, I was surprised by that. It was pretty. I don't want to say vicious, but it was it was pointed. It's like uh, all the people who know him thinks he's a liberal. Yeah, and so and that I've really found issue with the one phrase, and you know, when when the the lady says at the end, he brings a liberal philosophy to South Dakota, and we don't want that here. What does that mean? Yeah. So what does you know? When did liberal get to be a dirty, rotten, you know, some sort of evil word? It's the other half. It's yin and yang. You know, you 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 can't have one without the other. And liberal thought has led to some. You know, really dangerous and awful things like you know social security, labor laws that you know protected coal miners and mm-hmm. other people and children, mm-hmm. advances in civil rights. Oh, oh, how about protections for farmers and ranchers? You know, those are the types of things that came from you know liberal progressive thinking. Not to, if it wasn't for those types of thoughts, you know, it would be a whole different world. It wouldn't be that wonderful of one. And you so, can be conservative. There's nothing wrong with being nothing conservative. Nothing wrong with it. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It's not, yep. you, you can't, you know, if you're always agreeing, if it's always one side, mm-hmm. as my dad used to tell me about being married, I'd say, you know, Dad, Mom's nothing like you. He goes, well, if we were both exactly alike, one of, we, one of us would be irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We wouldn't need each other. You've you got to have strengths and weaknesses that you compensate for. It's, you know, and it's to me the the way I think of it, Patrick, is it's like in politics, it's like your cable company. If you don't, if if you merrily along and pay your cable bill every month, mm-hmm. no, none of the politicians are working for you. None of the cable company is going to say, "Hey, you know what, John? You can we can offer you eighty dollars off your bill every month and give you twenty more challenges." No, no, they're going to say, "Hey, great, Nichols is happy with what he's got." And I think if you have people in the same, you know, if you have the same party, you're a one-note state, one-note party, you're not holding your politicians to the challenges that you should. You should be pushing them. There shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a a for-life position if you are a Republican or a Democrat in office. You should be challenged at every turn to return the best investment for your people. And I don't think... A lot of times we think that way in South Dakota. If it says R, we pull the lever. Yeah, and people get uh, people get lazy. I mean, that's just all there is to it. The 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 people that are governing, I think, get lazy. And lazy is the wrong word. They become um, uh, complacent. Uh, complacent. Well, yeah, they're, they're, like, like Thank said, you. they're not challenged. Yeah, I mean, they know that there's not uh, job security is a good thing. Job security is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Nah, you know, absolutely. If you took those two candidates. 
and you put the R besides Sutton's name mm-hmm. and the D besides Noam's name, he'd be winning. I mean, I would, I, he, would win by, he would win going away, I would think. Because if, if you don't have the letter, he's a perfect South Dakota candidate. Right. He's pro-life, pro-gun, yeah. anti-tax. It's all the, it's all the Republican uh, positions, but you do, he doesn't have the credibility because he's a Democrat. And yeah. the fact of the matter is that his party platform does not align with his personal goals, his personal positions on those three particular issues. So that's, and that there again, that's all about party then, right? Yeah, so, I mean, what, what are we doing? I mean, are, are, why even have a person run? Just say, I'm, I'm pulling the lever for a platform. Just pull straight ticket and let's get it out of here. And yeah. that's a I mean, you can do that. You can't do it anymore. You used to be able to do that. Well, God, no, that's a good thing. I mean, at least make you consider it before you vote straight down the line. But it's just, you know, I don't think you're doing yourself any favor to be closed-minded to the power of personality and what people can bring to a job. And, not campaigning for him, but I'm just thinking South Dakotans sell themselves short when they don't challenge politicians to do bigger and better things for them. That's very well put, Mr. Common. I appreciate that. God, I think I'm going to stop on you, that. You, you better stop right there because you're <laughs> way ahead of the game. I am so due to say something's really stupid. <laughs> uh, Mr. Common, man, uh, here most Mondays on Weird Friends, and I always appreciate it. I'm enlightened, I'm entertained, and uh, always uh, better for talking to you, sir. Well, thank you, Patrick. Coming up after the break, after the news and weather with Mr. Dan Peters, we're going to chat with Dusty Johnson, candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives on the Republican side. Should be entertaining, informative, and engaging. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO coming up on Thursday. It's the fourth annual Taste of Sioux Falls, five thirty to eight thirty at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls best chefs come together to show off their culinary art in the most tasteful event of the year to support Sculpture Walk. Go to KSO.com for more details on that and any other event coming up after the break. Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, will be with us. Join us, will you? The Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. 407 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And I'm, I'm introducing uh, congressional candidate Dusty Johnson to some fine local music here. That was really good. Yeah, well, there you go. It's the Working Poor, Rich Show. So uh, Dusty Johnson, in fact, is in studio with us today. Uh, first of all, sir, thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. Well, you got to get out and interview for the job, right? And yeah, although right. I don't have to like it, you talk to a lot more people every day than I do. That's not true. That's not <laughs> no, even close to true. I think it is true. No, it's not true. Um, you are uh, uh, out campaigning and have been for a while now. First of all, let's get this out of the way. You got some very good news out of the that we've been talking about here, the Argus Leader Jello Land News poll. Uh, you didn't think <laughs> I'd say it right twice in one day. Um, the uh, 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 tw- You have a 23-point lead. It's done, right? Finished. Oh, it's over. It's a week to go. It's done. Uh, my capacity to mess this up seems like it's unlimited, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm prone to say I'm prone to say lots of things that uh, could make people cringe, right? So at some point, you got to get out and keep hustling, right? Yeah, but you got to feel comfortable. That's that's a, an affirming uh, uh, day for your campaign. 
We are going to hit Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 29 different towns uh, in an energy to burn tour. We haven't made that public yet, but we will tomorrow. I guess we just made it public now. Nice work. But uh, yeah, here yeah. First. Yeah, you got to get out and hustle, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I fundamentally don't think that being 23, I don't know that we are up that much, Patrick. And even if we were, I still think you owe people the right to ask you a tough mm-hmm. question. It's an extraordinary number. Probably, I mean, you know, well, there's polls, right? Polls are sna- snapshots in time on that day or those two days or whatever it is. Yeah, we don't pay. Polling is so expensive. Most of your listeners probably don't realize this, but mm-hmm. if somebody's going to go out and get a full poll with your 20 questions and mm-hmm. all, I mean, that's going to run you sixteen or $18,000. Yeah. We don't do a lot of that. We will throw one question on somebody else's poll. Mm-hmm. Group, um, you, people group together to defer the cost. Yeah, yeah, they defray do. Defray the cost. Uh, but so we have shown polling you know, particularly since the televised debates, our polling has gotten a lot better. I think people saw that we knew what we were talking about and we didn't seem to be very angry. So many candidates are angry these days. And I'm just, I mean, I want to get to work. I'm not angry. I mean, I'm optimistic. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's talk about some stuff then uh, regarding, uh, ask you some questions on these things you want to talk about. But first I want to just discuss um, some of the other parts of that poll. One is that uh, uh, Donald Trump, your president, our president, uh, from your party, is below 50% in South Dakota, which were you surprised by that? I was not surprised. Again, I'm cheating. Right? We get polling on that mm-hmm. too. And the terrorists uh, took a toll. You know, a lot of South Dakotans like what uh, the president's policies are, but they're pretty irritated at his personal demeanor. They're pretty irritated at the social norms that he breaks on a pretty regular basis. And, and any given day, I think lots of South Dakotans could describe themselves as both satisfied or unsatisfied with the president. It really depends on how you ask the question. Uh, do they want him to mature and grow in the job? Do they wish he'd be uh, tweet a little bit less? Almost all of them will say yes to that. And uh, my theory, my working theory is that his uh, fortunes are dragging down Christy No because she is closely associated with those policies in many ways, even though Technically, she would say, no, those tariff policies, those policies are bad. The ag policies are bad. She's not very vociferous in that approach. Do you share my opinion that his, uh, uh, the, the, the erosion of his support is hurting her as well? I think that is conventional wisdom that uh, Republican candidates across the country are. And, and frankly, it's not unusual. I mean, the president's mm-hmm. party almost always it's 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 a uh, very few exceptions in our nation's history the president's party loses seats in the midterms mm-hmm. i mean we all get americans are kind of finicky people we start to get sick of you know it's only been a guy here too far we get sick of the guy in the white house mm-hmm. and we sort of want to send him a message uh, and i think i mean the president should be talking now about 4% growth and lowest unemployment in 50 years and lowest unemployment ever for, you know, black Americans and, you know, strength abroad. And I mean, there, there are, he could be taking a bit of a victory lap, Patrick, but in any given day, that's not what he's tweeting about. He's calling somebody horse face. And that is in, in, on those days, he makes it harder for Christy Noem to run on the accomplishments of the Republican Congress. Do you think he's a Republican? He's, he's not a conventional Republican, for sure. Uh, people say that uh, he has transformed the party. I think that's uh, an overstrong description. Do you want to be transformed? Do you want your party to be transformed? Was it somehow, do you think that the Republican Party as it existed before Donald Trump became the nominee was somehow flawed? I uh, have long 
valued the uh, the principles of the Republican Party. I've been a little irritated at the tactics, and the president's tactics are not my tactics, right? And so, to the to the extent that he is transforming how we all view politics, the tenor, the way we talk to each other, the way we view it as maybe a bit more of a zero-sum game rather than as an opportunity to collaborate, I, I can be irritated with that. Uh, but I like a lot of what we're getting done. I mean, if it, you know, I talked about all the economic stuff, but the regulatory rollback, I like that. Uh, I, I liked the new NAFTA to a far greater extent than I expected to. He's been more right on that topic than I have been. And so he, his methods are unconventional. More right, you don't mean more correct. You mean more to the right. Uh, no, I mean we have more market access. Uh, I have, to your point about is he a, quote, real Republican, mm-hmm. I have wondered in my mind, does that guy believe in market access as much as I do? Mm-hmm. He, he pulled us out of the TPP. Now, Clinton was going to do the same thing, right? So we were getting out of the TPP. I think South Dakota manufacturers. Well, she said that because of the pressure. Yes. I think in the end, we would have stayed in the TPP. That would have been better for our economy. Yes, we know that. To be uh, because if you're nervous about China, and I am, mm-hmm. the TPP was designed by those 13 Asian countries to be kind of a, to push back against Chinese hegemony in the, in the, in the Pacific Which rim. I want to bring up something that Sonny Purdue said when he was here uh, mm-hmm. last week. Or was, yeah, last week, the uh, Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Purdue, said, you know, we're going to be pursuing all these trade deals with all these other people, so China is not as big a deal as everybody makes it sound. We had a trade deal with all those companies, and we got out of it, or countries, and we got out of it. So because of that, I doubted the president's fundamental commitment to free trade. Mm-hmm. I have had to admit that those fears were largely misplaced because he didn't pull out a NAFTA and just break NAFTA and walk away. He pulled out a NAFTA and he got a better a, a, a better deal with the USMCA. It is, and I don't know if it's a better deal. I have it, not been able to take the time to go through it and actually examine the differences between that and NAFTA and how NAFTA opened those markets for American or for South Dakota products. Right? It keeps all of almost well. I think. I'm unaware of anything that was in NAFTA that was good, uh, beneficial to American interests that was taken out. And I can point to at least three things in the new USMCA that are better than NAFTA was. But we're, we're I just, it's a new NAFTA. It's the new NAFTA. I mean, yes. the fact of the matter is that it, it was going to be renegotiated. It's always under negotiation. You know, saying it was the worst deal ever was disingenuous at best. But it's basically the little that I have actually been able to uh, uh, read about comparisons, it's not that much different. There are improvements. But at, at its core, it's the same thing, right? It is, uh, yes. Yeah, I... I so it was the worst deal ever before. Now it's the greatest thing ever? That is one thing that's very different in how the president messages than I do or or you do, right? right. We're, we're, we are guys that appreciate nuance and understand its value in trying to govern a country. It's nice of you president's to president's got a radically different style. We're talking with Dusty Johnson. He is the Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in the great state of South Dakota. We're going to come right back and chat more about oh all kinds of policies. It's going to be a good. It's going to be a good good time. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Four twenty one on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO, and we've got Dusty Johnson, Republican candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives sitting in this studio with me right now. And uh, so we've been asking him some questions. We hit the sort of big presidential stuff. So we're going to move You're on. the first person to ever ask me about Trump. What? In this whole campaign. Nobody cares about him. The guy's sort of a sleepy figure underneath the surface. 
<laughs> it is the most common question Absolutely. I get on the campaign trail. I was looking at you like, are you serious? <laughs> He's completely lost it. He he is defining, listen, for better, for worse, the guy is defining like the global era. Yeah, I know. I think it's wrong, but that's that's for us to decide in mm-hmm. two years. That's the way it works, right? Well, you, we'll, we'll, we'll for sure decide in 20 years. You gonna think, start, well, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, sure. Election. Oh, electorally, yeah. Do you think that he should be reelected? Well, I would tell you, if I focus on the policies, Patrick, it's pretty hard to argue with the results. I do. I, I, I want you, him. I don't take. I. I, I worry. I, I always have to say this. You, as a president, he hasn't even been in there two years. You can't take credit for low unemployment. It doesn't turn around that fast. You know that. You can't take credit for a booming stock market. It doesn't. And what happens now? It's back down. You can't take credit for these things. All you can do is make the best situation that you can, and and hope that the economic factors that you can control, you control. And now he's screaming at the Fed. I have had too many real business owners. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens who say, I made the decision to build on that expansion or I made the decision to add a third shift after that election. They just knew the regulatory rollback he was talking about would be real. That could all be perfectly well and good, but it's not like it turned a switch. The expansion. We came out of the single worst downturn in multiple generations. Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that just because I don't care who it is. Mm -hmm. All right. You can't bitch at the Fed. Okay. And then take credit for the the, the monetary policies of the United States. He should not be bitching at the Fed. No, that's who the Fed. These are the people who save us. He should not be doing that in part because. They need to be making apolitical decisions. Yes. Absolutely apolitical decisions. Do do you believe or not believe that the Fed basically and our monetary policy coming out of the re, out of the Great Recession is what stopped at least stopped the bleeding and got us turned around going back the other way? I I they're a part of the answer, of course, but I wouldn't give them more credit than some of the really hard decisions that Congress made. Uh, I mean. You know, I oh, don't. Sure, no, you have to do that. I'm, I'm not. I don't disagree with that. But you, it, monetary policy, because mm-hmm. one of the things that monetary policy does is control inflation, mm-hmm. right? And if you don't control inflation, it doesn't matter what Congress does. Well, it, it's hard to know what would happen in an alternate universe. But what happens if Congress doesn't pass TARP? Right. You, I right. mean, what happened? I don't no, know the answer right. to that question. Or I mean, you can't, and you can't take the Obama administration out of this equation. So this is what I'm saying. You can't say all of a sudden Donald Trump got elected and the economy is great without taking into consideration everything that everybody did to get it there. He doesn't deserve 100% of the credit. But he doesn't we, deserve 25% of the credit. Oh, I think when you look at the kinds of investments that companies have chosen to make, discretionary investments, those would not have happened in a different environment. That's not true. It's not true. Then people are just lying to me. No, I think I I agree that people have made these decisions, but it doesn't mean that they wouldn't have made similar decisions if if uh, uh, Marco Rubio was president. Well, that could be. I don't. You know, I. It's not all that. This is what I'm saying. I never. Well, we didn't have a choice. You know, on November whatever fifth two years ago between Marco Rubio and Donald Trump. You that just wasn't want to, you just want to believe that Democrats. Economic policies are all so completely flawed that there's no way 
that a Democratic administration could have guided the economy in such a way that allows for growth and, and, and the market forces to be at work so that people can make money. You uh, just don't want to believe that. That's th- the problem. There are certain, listen, not all wisdom uh, resides within the Republican Party. So, you oh, know, and or so. with one person. That's no, uh, what I keep getting to. Uh, of course, some of this success Donald Trump deserves some credit for. Others of it, <laughs> others of these things might have happened in spite of him, not because of him. Right. There are days when he can be his own worst enemy. And there are days when he says and does things that, that makes it more difficult for us to move forward and, and seize a particular hill as a country. But 4% growth, that was something two years ago. Most economists were telling us wasn't possible anymore. There, well, we haven't had an annual, we haven't had an annual 4% growth. We've had, we've had a couple good quarters that annualized would give yes. us 4% growth. We also have. And also 4% growth would, they would incite some inflationary concerns. We, but we have real earnings growth. So after adjusting for inflation, we've had real earnings growth in this country. A little bit. A little for, bit of wage growth. Oh, sure. But for five months in a row, that was the kind of thing people were nervous. You know, first we talked about a jobless recovery, and then we talked about a wageless recovery, wageless from a growth perspective. I mean, it's the longest expansion in U.S. history, but you can't yeah. have the longest expansion in U.S. history without it starting before Donald Trump came to office. He doesn't deserve all the credit. I would agree with that. (laughs) We're going to come right back after the news and weather with Mr. Dusty Johnson. You you had other stuff you wanted to talk about, and then I got you back on Trump. That's my fault. It is your fault. I'm not going to take any blame for that. This is the Patrick Lally (laughs) Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Three, 4.35 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Speaking of dullards, that's me. Dullard, can't even tell what time it is. Uh, we're here with Dusty Johnson. He is a Republican candidate for uh, Congress. Congress, you're running for the House of Representatives against Tim Bjorkman, uh, the Democrat. Um, George Hendrickson, Ron Mazurek. Yep. Uh, yeah, Ron's been on the show. Oh, fun. Ron's fun. Yeah. yeah. George has been one of the neatest things. Getting to know him has been one of the best parts of this campaign for me. Oh, man, you just, you are too, why are you so, like, I'm going to be the nicest person. I'm going to try and be the nicest politician ever. George is the nicest politician ever. He is a neat guy. I have not had the pleasure of meeting George, and I should. That's on me. That's on me. That's not his fault. Watch Uh, out the debates. He comes across as likable and knowledgeable, and that's who he really is. Well, that's cool. That's great to have in in the arena, right? Absolutely. But still, vote for me. Don't. George is great. But <laughs> if you despise me for some reason, then I guess he would be a good guy to go for. Um, I, I was going to go on to something else. I may, I'm going to come back to that maybe later if we get time. I want to ask you about, uh, you have an ad about welfare. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has been a theme with you. And, uh, and I, I'm curious because what I, what I don't understand about that ad is, is what you actually think is wrong with the social safety net that we have in this country, because there are a lot of work requirements. There are, there, you know what I mean? On TANF there are. And so what is actually, you know, you, you, cause you talk about the value of work and all this mm-hmm. is very true. And your personal experience that when you were growing up, your family needed assistance. A lot of families do. Yep. What, what is wrong that you think is so th- that you're making it a, a tenant of your campaign? Well, we've got 12 million Americans who uh, are able-bodied non-seniors 
who could work but aren't even looking. Out of 300 million people. Right. Okay. But just think about the incredible, I mean, their lives could be more meaningful. Sure. And I don't, so many people. again, now a lot of those people, they're categorized by whomever as Mm able-bodied, right? Non-seniors. That doesn't mean they don't have trouble. That doesn't mean that they aren't suffering from a mental illness of some sort. They aren't, uh, uh, you know, uh, veterans. They aren't uh, a, a lot of people who may have gone through some sort of traumatic thing in their life. Now, there may be, certainly there are a proportion of them who probably could just get up and work. But it's not like it's a monolithic 12 million people who are all just a bunch of lazy, pot-smoking liberals. Well, and I would never use those words. I, and and I haven't. And, I know you would and, and, and you know what I'm saying. People and do. Because, listen, I grew up poor. I mean, I don't... I know. So many people on the right get irritated at welfare because it takes money away from rich people. I don't... I'm not irritated with welfare because of what it does to rich people. I'm irritated at welfare because of what it does to poor people. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, some of the programs do a good job. TANF is a good program. That's a program that gives people cash assistance when they need it. There's a lifetime requirement and there's a work requirement. And it's for basically for kids. I mean, it's to parent, it's to adults, but it's so that they can take care of their kids. It, it's, it's a really, it's a much more effective program than what we had before it which was uh, aid to families with dependent children. Mm-hmm. And it was the kind of Republican state innovation from Tommy Thompson, Wisconsin, and Bill mm-hmm. Jankel in South Dakota that convinced President Bill Clinton, a Democrat, mm-hmm. that work requirements were right. We don't have those in very many programs. I mean, TANF works. You, and, and other issues like what can you buy? You look at WIC. WIC really focuses on making sure that families— Women, infants, and children. Women, infants, and children, that they have basic built nutritional building blocks. Mm-hmm. You compare that to something like SNAP, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, food stamps. I'm sure you support the effort to uh, make those records public. Um, yeah, I don't. I haven't understood why they're not. Why, I just <laughs> I, I I understand. There's always some rationale to keep records closed. It just seems to me that you have to have an overwhelming rationale mm-hmm. to keep them closed. But you continue on your yeah, discussion so, of SNAP. And so with WIC, we make sure that people are buying healthy stuff. Mm-hmm. So women, infants, and children are getting their nutritional needs met. Mm-hmm. We don't have those kind of requirements there's, for SNAP. There's not, there aren't no requirements. No, you can't buy booze with it. You can't buy smokes. But there are lots and lots of things that contribute. Not, I mean, I'm happy to pay my income taxes so that we don't have starving poor kids in this country. We shouldn't have starving kids. I would submit to you that the nutritional needs of kids in this country aren't poor kids are not getting met if the most commonly purchased item with food stamps is soda pop. And it is. I know. And so I'm not talking about um, getting rid of these programs. I'm talking about uh, with things like SNAP having a a 20-hour-a-week work requirement for able-bodied non-seniors. And here's, here's the question about SNAP. Where is the pressure coming from? To not because the way it it's, it operates now, we have much greater ability to uh, uh, select what you can can and cannot pay for with that card, right? So where is the pressure coming from to not remove chips, soda pop, and a lot of other very bad processed food from the list? Where is that pressure coming from? Probably from about ten different places. I bet the people who care about it most are the people who make those products. And, and the people it, who sell them. And the people who sell them. Because you know who the biggest recipient, one of the reasons that it, we, we need these records, Dusty, and that this is an Argus Leader suit that's been going on for eight years. It, it started when I was there. It's been going on forever, as we, we all know. But who's really making the money off this? 
the only people that are standing in the way of releasing these records right now are the grocers. And you know, you, you, you think grocery, you think the guy down in the corner. That ain't it. <laughs> well, some of it is. A big proportion of it is Walmart. Oh, sure. And Do we have any idea how much? I suppose that's what the records would tell us. Yeah, we would really like to know. Some, I think we know some of the broad strokes, but we, yeah. there's, there's much more to learn there about pe- where people on assistance buy their food. Well, so to get back to your question about, you know, why, why does this matter what so much? Why, why does this matter so much to Dusty? And the reality is because when I was a poor kid growing up, I had so many people making it clear to me that work was going to be what was going to deliver me. Mm-hmm. And right now we've got well-intentioned, I'm sure, but people, friends on the left who talk about work like it's punishment. Work isn't punishment. It's an opportunity. That, but you, but you, you know... I don't think that the left is talking about work as punishment. Sure it is. No, they're talking Some. about not punishing people because they can't work. And I, I think that but, there's a nuance there because you will talk to, talk to your, your union friends and they're not going to tell you that work is punishment. No, they don't. Union people never talk about work like it's punishment. They, they, you are absolutely right about that. I mean, they get it. I and mean, that's the left. That's well, the monolithic some of le- them. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 That's whoa. why I say some. That's why I say some. But I will tell you. Republicans you say, have been casting unions as, as the evil left for generations. Well, not me. Okay. That's not fair. me. There fair are. Enough. Fair enough. I mean, if people want to bind together. I mean, I, I'm not a card check fan and I'm not a fan of closed mm-hmm. shops. Right. But if people want to come together because they think with a voice they can create more symmetrical power with a big employer. That's freedom of association, baby. Let's make that happen. What if the f- big employer is the uh, state of South Dakota, um, uh, the uh, federal government? You okay with public sector unions? I'm That's a lot I'm less comfortable with public sector unions. A lot less comfortable because now you're holding the taxpayer over a barrel, and that's a lot harder to do. I mean, what are you going to strike? I mean, we're not going to have cops, right? I mean, that's Teachers. a lot harder to do. I understand. We're going to come right back and uh, address other weighty topics with. Uh, Congressional candidate Dusty Johnson, right after this short break. This is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. The clouds will blow away. 447 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. We are continuing chat here with Republican congressional candidate Dusty Johnson, who is on the November 6th ballot with uh, Tim Bjorkman, the Democrat, uh, Ron Majorek. Uh, independent and libertarian George Hendricks. Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Yep. See, that's. I used You're to, getting closer. I used to pay attention to all these things, <laughs> and now I just. I I, I pay attention. You know, I'm not even. I'm gonna stop talking now. I'm getting myself in more trouble than it's worth. Um, is it time to leave Afghanistan? Well, uh, I think that really. I don't think I have the facts to say that. I mean, I think. Is this Korea? Is this the second Korea? Where we're well, just, it's Germany? longer than there? Korea, right? It's the longest no, but I, engagement I, yeah. we've ever had. Well, I understand, but we're just never going to leave. Do we just have to admit we're never going to leave? I don't think we can just pick up and walk out in the dead of night. We can't ghost Afghanistan. I think that people who say to me uh, that, Dusty, that would have a more destabilizing influence on the globe than almost anything else we could do, that weighs pretty heavy on my heart. I like the fact that we pulled back a lot of frontline troops, and now we're trying to do more coaching. Um, it we may be that, that we're going to be there for a while as we, coaches. We did that in Vietnam, too. We did. Uh, that ended very poorly. Yep. Uh, and no two situations are analogous, right? We should right. not. We should not use one global conflict 
conflict in a different time and place as a template for another. And also because you're so different in this way. I mean, we cared about Vietnam because it was a proxy war, right? We didn't care about Vietnam proper. We cared about it because of what it meant to this global struggle. And we misinterpreted the intent and the the, the, the underpinnings of Ho Chi Minh and his... his Yes, that's right. We care about Afghanistan because of Afghanistan. I mean, there are millions of people out there who want to destroy this country. And Afghanistan could, if it goes back to the kind of uh, rule it had under the Taliban, could give them a very comfortable home. Do you believe that people want to destroy this country or do you believe people are more inclined to just want a better life for themselves? The vast majority of people on this globe want just a better life for themselves. There are a tiny fraction of humanity that want to destroy America. But that can be millions of people. Yes, and it's not just people from Afghanistan. Or no, there are people. I have no doubt that there are people in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, maybe even a Norwegian or two, who want to destroy American, uh, America, Americans and America. Should we then, uh, in this globe, to make this leap uh, into where uh, the, the, the jihad comes from, should we now reexamine our... Uh, relationship with Saudi Arabia. I've always been a little uncomfortable with our relationship with Saudi Arabia. But we did it for pragmatic reasons. We did, and I, let me take let me back up a half step. I don't like the fact that if you're an energy country, you get all of this additional street cred in the globe. And it's one of the reasons that I really, really like an American economy that is diversifying and becoming more powerful from an energy perspective. Because the more and more we're doing things with, you know, renewables and with, you know, North American natural gas and E15, ethanol, the less that we have to have this pragmatism with regard to Saudi Arabia driven by oil. I think a lot of our foreign policy surrounding oil has been pretty distasteful for the last couple generations. Oh, from the beginning. From the very beginning, it's been distasteful, but we did it anyway because we're convenience for convenience sake. And, and if they did... This and I don't think there's any reason to doubt. We're talking about the cho- murder of the yeah. uh, journalist. Yep, that they chopped this guy up, and it was because he was a dissident. And he was a pain in the butt. I mean, there are lots of journalists in South Dakota who are a pain in the butt, mm-hmm. and I think if we didn't have people like them, we wouldn't have a very good America. And so, when you have that's a pretty clear strike against, I think, um, civilized interests when you have journalists getting cut up. Does it concern you the close relationship between uh, the Trump family and the House of Saud? Uh, it, it's certainly not unique to Trump. Um, we've, I bet the last four or five presidents have had a pretty cozy relationship with the House of Saud, and I've never been particularly comfortable with it. I mean, I get you got to have friends in low places, and I understand the Middle East is a, uh, just a tinderbox. We have got to be a little better. I mean, being an American means something. I mean, I believe in American exceptionalism, and I think it is diminished, and I think our opportunity to lead is diminished when we're willing to cozy up with anybody who happens to have an airstrip or lots of oil. It does, and that becomes doubly uh, difficult when uh, the Saudis are involved in this civil war in Yemen. That, that whole arena is a mess. I don't even, I have, t- I, I, I've tried to understand all of the different players and who's backing who and what do they really want. And it seems like half the players just want to destabilize. Mm-hmm. They don't even really care about the conflict proper. They just kind of want an opportunity to go shoot, you know, my, my uh, enemy's enemy is my friend. I mean, you get all of these really complicated involvements and engagements. Like the Russians. 
Right, the Russian elections. All they wanted to destabilize. That's right. They didn't. They weren't rooting for Trump. They weren't rooting for Hillary. They were rooting against America. And every single day, we make them chuckle a little bit because we take the bait. And we're more interested in fighting against Americans than we are against the Russians. Not all Russians, but clearly the Russian government does not like America and does not serve our interests. And we should not trust them because it's in their best interest to not to, for us to not be. The, the they're a weakling. Economically, they're a weakling. They Militarily, they're a weakling. All they can do is kick down our sandcastle, and they are way too good at it. They are way too good at it. It doesn't make any sense. For a while, they weren't, and now they're completely back again. Our, the bigger problem for us is China. Russia, Russia makes us not pay attention to the problems that we have. Well, we do have to pay attention to Russia and China both. They're very different. Uh, Putin is a thug and a dictator. Uh, Xi, Xi, however you say XI, yep. is a little different. He clearly is interested in his own personal power. I mean, the guy is creating, mm -hmm. yep. you know, uh, he wants to be a new, almost deity-like figure in China. Absolutely. You know, the power will start and end with him. I don't think he wants to destroy America. He just wants to make sure that China's number one. Well, is that all that different than how we view American interests? No. We don't want to destroy China, but we yeah. want to make sure America's better than China. Uh, Russia is, Russia just wants to tear everything down. And with that, Republican congressional candidate We're not done, are Dusty we? Johnson is finished with us today. Uh, and then uh, we'll have you back at some point. I feel like uh, we didn't even get to half the stuff on your paper over we there. We didn't. For good or for ill, <laughs> after your election, after the election, whether you win or lose, you can come back and talk. I'd How's love that? it. All right, cool. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk about what is coming up later in the tomorrow on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Four fifty-eight on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. You know, Friday is November second, which, uh, if you look at your calendar, is the first Friday, which means downtown is going to be hopping. A special day of shopping, food, art, and entertainment. Free admission to the Kirby Science Discovery Center and Visual Arts Center. Lots of food and drink and frivolity. Always a good time. Coming up on the show tomorrow: Pat Powers and the Boon Man. Typical Tuesday. Tune in. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. Right.